Welcome to a Backyard Ultra podcast. In this episode, Rob Parsons came on and we talked all about his Backyard Ultra running experiences, including the 73 yards he ran for Australia at the Satellite World Champs last year in October. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, g'day, Rob. How are you going? Good, Pato. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming on again um, twice in about two weeks, I think it is. Oh, that's all right. No worries. Hopefully I've got something interesting to say this time. Yeah, no, it was, all, it was good last time. Um, when did you start running, Rob? Uh, good question. Um, it was probably back around oh, 2010-ish. Um, I sort of started, uh, I was going away for a, um, a Rugby Sevens tournament in Dubai that was in, I think it was in about October. So it was about four months after or three months after we finished our rugby season. And um, I was looking, I just wanted to do something to keep fit. And and one of the guys at work um, was in the local triathlon club. Um, so I joined the tri club um, and so sort of started uh, there doing the swimming, riding and, and running. Uh, and that was probably what started on that, on the whole running journey. Mm. And do you remember what got you into the longer stuff? Uh, I've just sort of got one of those personalities. So, like, again, it started with a triathlon. You've got, the, I guess, the sprint distance or short distance courses, and then you're there at the club and there's people doing the longer course. So you go, oh, you know, I could do that. Yeah. And then do that and you hang around with them long enough and they talk about half Ironmans and Ironmans. So I did a half Ironman and then once I'd done the half Ironman, I decided, well, now I've got to do the full Ironman. Um, and so that sort of, uh, ratcheted up the, both the running and the triathlon side. So some of that training was doing, you know, competing in marathons and, and things like that, uh, as training lead up to the Ironman. And then once I'd done the Ironman, um, like triathlon takes up a lot of time, just like you're training for those sort of three disciplines. Um, so it was sort of pre kids. Um, so it was more manageable. Um, and then after that, I really just got just into the running. And I think the first tr proper trail run I did is a race in WA called the six inch trail, um, yeah. happens around December each year near Christmas. Um, and it's a 47 K trail run and, you know, coming off doing triathlons and, and road marathons, I went into that race with a, with a strategy and a, or I, with a pace in mind and a time. And I learned really, really quickly that you cannot run to a pace in a trail run, yeah. um, like trying to keep a, keep a set pace. And especially that course, the first two Ks is pretty well straight uphill. Right. Um, and then I spent the next 15 or 20 Ks trying to get back to my goal pace. So running harder and then just completely blew up and just death, death marched the last sort of 10 Ks of that race. Um, and so I came away from that really doesn't sound like I really enjoyed it, but it's, I guess it's that type two fun looking back on it after the race. Yeah. Really enjoyed it and realized that, you know, trail running is a whole different world. Um, and I, I, I loved it. And then from then I went back the next year to do six inch trail again. And then you're sort of sitting in that space of doing, those longer trail runs um i read about uh, uh ultra trail australia um the uta 100 over in the blue mountains um trained up for that and unfortunately couldn't I, I got over there for the first time in 2015 um and 
the week leading up, my daughter uh, was quite young at the time and came down with gastro. Right. And the whole week lead up, I was telling myself, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm not sick, um, I've just got nerves. I got to the race, um, got to the Blue Mountains, and the night before the race, I it hit me hard. So mm-hmm. um, I wasn't able to start that race because um, those that know UTA 100, like once you start and you're a couple of Ks into it, you're, you can't just step off the course and get someone to come and pick you up. You know, you are deep in the trails of the Blue Mountains. So uh, it was pretty upsetting, you know, having trained and got to my first 100K race and I had to stand and watch everyone run off. Yeah. Um, but it really just fueled me to get back there. So I, I managed to get back there in 2017 and complete uh, complete UTA 100 and, and just loved it. Um, and then ever since then, just looking for different trail runs and different sort of long, um, more of those long races. So sort of 50K plus um, just to, yeah, be able to jump into and check out. Mm. Um, do you still play rugby? Um, not as much. So where I live in Kalgoorlie, uh, we had a, we had a pretty good rugby competition for a number of years and then in the lead into COVID. So 2019, we were struggling a little bit with, with getting the players. Um, and then with 2020 and it got all the competition got canceled that year with COVID. Um, and then when we try to come back in 21 and 22, we just really struggled to get the players back. So 2021 i think was my last um game of rugby um i think i broke a rib in my last game um which put me out for a little while but i I still play touch rugby um so got a pretty good touch rugby competition in kagoolie um but yeah i'd like to still play rugby just at the moment there's no no competition in kagoolie where i live yeah you mentioned before that like a few of your club like your teammates did triathlons and stuff as well but um is it a bit uncommon for rugby players to run ultras and stuff like that or uh especially so i spent most of my career playing rugby in the front row wow. um which are, which are typically the least athletic uh yeah. or endurance athletic athletes that you would see on a rugby field um <laughs> yes it's it's not not common so even my my build so i'm like 176 centimeters and about 90 kilos is my mm. sort of usual weight so which isn't which isn't huge but it's it's certainly a lot heavier than most um i guess what you'd call mainline runners uh, of my sort of height are usually sitting around that sort of 70 kilo 70 plus mark yeah well you're built like a sherman tank yeah <laughs> yeah um so I was looking at your stats and yeah, I saw you you've done like nine ultras on trails between like 46 and 100 Ks. Um, and then you ran your first backyard ultra, which was just t- over 12 months ago at Herdies. So was running a backyard ultra on your radar for long before that? It was a little bit. I, I heard about the idea. It was probably the year before. I, I can't remember if it was Herdies or Birdies that um I think it was, no, it was definitely Hurdies uh, because one of my friends ran it um, and because I was umming and ahhing about it and I thought, oh, maybe not this year. And then as soon as it started and I was following him on social media and I was following the guys on Strava and I, as like after the second lap, I was like, man, I had the biggest FOMO. I just wished I was out there. Yeah. Um, just just the idea of um, being out, like it being up to you to just push how far you can go um mm. like like i said I, i'm a i'm 
probably bigger than most ultra runners and I'm not fast. So I'm, I'm never going to be on a podium. Right? I'm never going to win a race like a point to point speed race. I just don't have the speed. Mm. Um, and so the, the idea of a race that was really much more mental on, on how far you could go, uh, really appealed to me just being able to that opportunity just to really push yourself. So yeah, once I saw him do, do hurdies, uh, must've been in 2021, I knew like 100% as soon as sign-up was available for 2022 that I was doing it. Yeah. Well, it definitely looks like you've found your sweet spot with Backyard Ultras. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, being on podiums is not something uh, I've ever thought about. And I guess you could count the the satellite champs coming third there would be my first, uh, technically my first podium uh, in a running race ever. The um, So you did 36 hours at your first backyard ultra, which is Hurdies, as we mentioned, and that gave you a top five finished finish. Did you expect to do so well? And, like, did you surprise yourself after that? Yeah, I did. Um, so going into Hurdies, I kind of had – I didn't really know what to expect. I'd never run further than um, about 100 and – maybe 111, 120K, something like that, when I did a 24-hour obstacle course race. Mm was my furthest distance so I wasn't sure how I'd go over the distance and I I went in there with I had three goals so my um my sort of C goal that I really wanted to do was 24 hours like I, I really wanted to make it 24 hours um and then I think my B goal might have been something like 30 hours I can't remember exactly maybe 32 which just ticked over um into running across three days because you start on friday night and i think that got me just to sunday morning yeah. you know like one 12 o'clock or 1 a.m sunday morning i just thought that would be a cool stat going across friday saturday sunday yeah. um and then my a goal was 36 hours um so that was my top i thought and and to me at that point it was like that's kind of like an unreachable goal for me but i'll, I'll put it on there and and see how i go and Unfortunately, I set that goal, which was a shame because as I was getting to the 36 hours, I was counting down lap after lap. So I was like five more laps to go, four more laps to go, three more laps to go. And so when I came in, um, I can't remember exactly. It would have been maybe 52 or 54 minutes or something on lap 36. Um, I didn't go out again on lap 37. I called it. So I, I didn't time out. Um I just, you know, I hit the goal and then mentally I was like, oh, yep, I'm, I'm sort of done now. Yeah. So I rang the bell and then probably by the time I woke up the next morning, I was really kicking myself. I'm like, why did you stop? You know, like I didn't have to stop. Like it wasn't easy at that point. Like it was a struggle to get there, um, yeah. but I could have kept going. I didn't time out on course. So I really, um, I went into birdies um birdie's backyard was my goal in that race was to win so i said to myself like d numbers don't matter like don't don't set a goal um it was just go in there to win and so that you're the last person there um unfortunately i didn't i didn't i think i came fourth at birdie so got 44 laps there and um didn't get the 45th lap in time um but that was my my goal and i i, I struggled a little bit on that with some um some knee issues so i'd I'd spent the lead up to birdies uh, doing about 7,000 Ks camping in three weeks, uh, driving around in the car. So my hip flexors and things are quite tight. And, you know, I just had uh, a fair bit of knee pain that really slowed me down, yeah. um, especially in the in the night 
when it was wet, had some issues with my cap lamp, so all, all my headlamp, so all of the all the issues kind of compounded around that sort of 44 hour mark just before daylight came, and then that sort of was it for me. Uh, yeah. at the end of 30s. Did you um, do much research before your first um, backyard ultra herdies, and like, did you come up with a strategy or anything like that, or? Not really. Um, I had a friend who, like I said, my friend had done it in 2021. Um, And so sort of picked his brain a little bit about, you know, what what was important, what did I have to make sure I did. Um, I had a coach leading up to that race. um, And so I think he knew a few people that had done backyard ultras. So was giving me some sort of tips on on things, um, little tips and tricks. But not really and then i mean since then i've done a lot more uh guys like phil gore are great at doing race reports like they're really good at sharing their knowledge so Mm. you read a lot of those race reports and pick up little tips and tricks um Mm. and some of those have been invaluable that i i use now that have really helped me that whenever i go out with people i always you know if you see people out on the course you you know you get chatting you kind of try and give them some info or i've had some friends from work that have um, had a go this year at um, at Hurdy, so I had a chat. You know, made sure I tried to pass on as much knowledge as I could to them before they um, got out there. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so when you did that forty four hours, did you did you do you remember any other like changes that you made to improve to make reach that forty four hours? Um, there wasn't a huge amount of changes. I think physically. I probably could have come close-ish to that in my first yeah. race, um, potentially. You never know, right? Like you could yeah. do one more lap in these things and, and you blow up. But yeah. um, I, I, I guess I learned a few more of the little tips and tricks, just really simple things I found. Like one of the ones that seems really simple but has saved me a number of times is having an outbox. So whenever I'm sitting down for my 10 minutes or whatever, I'm talking to my crew, um anything they know I'm taking out with me on the next lap, they have in a box sitting on the table ready to go so that when I get up to leave, that box has got to be empty by the time I get to the corral. So I don't leave a water bottle behind or I don't leave a headlamp behind or a phone or some food that I plan to take out with me. Um, It seems really small, but I found that really helped. Um, Just being able to, because a few times I'd I'd sort of forget things and see them in the box and go, oh, yep, that's right. I, I have to take that with me on this lap. So that helped a lot, just being more prepared. So I wasn't, you know, every lap I had what I needed. Um, that that was probably, that was really, I didn't change a huge amount um, on the lead into birdies. So that was probably one of the biggest changes. Yeah. Now, that's the first I've ever heard of an outbox before. Yeah, well, that was a Phil Gore special. So one of his tips was he had a, he's got an in and an outbox. I just used the same one. But yeah. whenever you come in from a lap, you just dump all your stuff in, like I'd take my, if I was taking my, my light off, if I was taking water bottles out of my um, belt, if I was taking food that I didn't eat out, whatever, it would all go in one box. So yeah. my crew could see, did I finish my water bottle? Am I drinking enough? Did I eat my food? Um, then they would clear that box out and then refill it with everything I needed to go back out with. So that was, that really helped, especially when I did, um, I didn't do it at birdies, but when I've, done a couple of laps by myself like so if my crew um is trying to get some rest and they might leave me for you know two or three or four laps that was always something i made sure my first thing when i came in from my lap 
was set up my outbox mm. when I knew what I wanted and I was thinking and whatever, and then I could sit down and relax for my 10 minutes or eight minutes or whatever it was, and then know as soon as I got up, everything I needed was right there, grab what I needed, and I could go. So, like I said, pretty simple um, little tip, but I, it's really helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so around this time, like the 36 and the 44 you did, both of them probably would have qualified you to um to run in that Australian team at the Sat Champs last October. Did you know about the Sat Champs and make in the Australian team during this time? I found out about the Satellite Champs uh, about five seconds after I rang the bell at Birdies, <laughs> and Sean Kaisler was congratulating me on my run, and then told me that I'd qualified for the Australian Satellite Championships, and oh. so I then had to go and Google what is the Australian Satellite Championships. <laughs> Right. So that would that was only that would have only been a couple of months before the championships were as well, wouldn't have it? Yeah, it wasn't long. Maybe six six to eight weeks, something like that. It wouldn't have been more than that. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a couple of weeks, um couple of weeks after birdies I couldn't couldn't run. Like I said, I had some sort of knee pain, so my knee was about twice the size it usually was at the end. So um, it took me at least two, two and a half weeks to really actually get back onto running properly. And then I think maybe then I had like a four-week lead into the Sat Champs. So, yeah, it might have been six weeks, something like that. Yeah. Was it logistically hard organising the, the trip over to Melbourne and stuff like that? Uh, it was okay. I guess what... Um, what we so i it was just my wife and i that went over so she was my crew um she's been sort of my crew for all my races whether it's a, a point to point ultra or the backyard ultras so the ones in perth my family have helped out a little bit as well um and her family but uh the sat champs it was just the two of us so essentially just packed a suitcase got the biggest suitcase i could find and packed it with everything i thought i could need from foam rollers to all the food i wanted to bring um and then we got a, we just hired a like a camper van when we we're over there. Uh, went to Bunnings and bought a table and a chair, and then pulled up at Mirren Wormit. And um, they had a long, it was like a twelve meter long marquee, and we didn't have any marquees or tents or anything. And I just asked when I got there, I said, "Oh, do you guys mind if I just set up right in this little corner here in the edge? I just need room for my chair." And they said, "Yeah, yeah no worries, that's fine, absolutely." And then. So I went back and we did some stuff in the van and came back to um, drop some gear off and they'd actually put up a, a wall for me. So I had my own little three by three uh, tent right on the corral, which was which was perfect. So it was really great of them to um, set that up for me. But so other than that, no, the logistics were okay. Obviously, besides the the lead into that race where it was with the weather and the flooding, yeah. and is the course going to be here? Is it going to be somewhere else? Is it a modified course? Is it this? Is it that? So I really kind of I looked at that situation and there was a, there was a fair bit of chat on the, the team um, chat group and I kind of just stepped away from it and I said that I was thinking well, it, it'll be what it'll be. Um, I've got really no power on what the course is going to be. Uh, if it comes up with a vote, I'll weigh in, but otherwise I'm just staying out of it and I'll go where they tell me to go and, and race where they tell me to race. So mm. I sort of took that. I figured there's no point stressing about that. Um, it'll it'll be what it'll be. So, yeah, didn't, didn't worry about that. So the I guess on the logistics side, it was good. So we had the van and it had a little stove in it. Um, so my wife was able to, one, she was able to get some decent sleep because um, she could go back to the van and get, you know, 40 minutes sleep per lap um and then 
especially at night when it was cold, she was able to make me hot food like porridge and rice and uh, hot coffee and things like that, which was really helpful. Um, uh, but yeah, other than that, we we managed pretty well with the logistics side of things. Yeah, I'm actually surprised by how few people knew about the Australian side leading into it. Um, so I've spoken to a few runners who made that team and they didn't know about the Australian team until they actually made the team and were told about it. But now there's more, now it's like kind of well known. You get, we're gonna, the next team is going to be like insane because we've already got like Michael Bellman putting up like 56 hours or whatever it is and people are going to be trying really hard to make that Australian team and it's, it's going to be an insane team. Next, next. Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be great. And and Michael Bellman's a great example. So he was at. He ran quite a bit with us at Birdies. Um, I can't remember. It was maybe around the 36, 30, 36. I can't remember exactly how many laps he did, but he had some friends that were running as well, um, who were actually crewing him at Birdies. And um, he got to the point where he was fine, but he said, "Oh, look, guys, I'm pulling up stumps because." I'm down here with my mates for the weekend, so I just want to, you know, drink some beers and, and hang out. And we we're like, mate, you're, you're just cruising here. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm done. So it's all good. I'll see you next time. And so yeah. it was really great to see him come out at Herdy's and just post up such amazing numbers and get the assist there. Because, um, uh, yeah, he had, he had a lot left in him when he, he pulled out at Birdie's. Yeah, well, even the videos um, of the event on Facebook, though, so he looked really comfortable. Like he yeah. didn't, wasn't limping or anything. He looked, he looked good. Um, so the set champs were in Victoria. It was pretty cold at the time. And you live in Kalgoorlie, right? Correct. Yeah. And is that where they have, like, the houses are underground because it's so hot? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I think that's Cooper Petey maybe, but no, oh. not in Kalgoorlie. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you handle the cold anyway? Was it? Oh, I love it. I yeah. I do not do well in the heat, which is is sort of where I came undone this year at Herdy's. Um, a couple of years ago, when I was, I think it was when I was training for UTA 100, I was, um, and I was first kind of starting that ultra journey. I was doing a lot of like data tracking on my on my runs, and so I'd weigh myself before and after each training run, and I'd record how much fluid I'd I'd take in, and. I worked out that on on the warm days I was losing about a liter and a half of fluid an hour, oh. um, and like I just can't like I can't replace that much. So I'm really not not great in the in the heat, but in the cold, like I love running in the cold. So once it gets to about like ten degrees, ten or twelve degrees for me is like that is ideal running temperature. So. There was even at the the sat champs, um, although I think it probably got down to zero on some nights because there was a fair bit of ice around. Yeah. Um, I, I was just in shorts every lap. Um, I had a I had a jacket on, especially for when I started, because when I started each lap, I was pretty cold. Um, but typically, by the time I climbed that first hill and started jogging on the downhill on the other side, I was unzipping my jacket and and sort of sweating under that. So, having that cold temperature for me was was perfect and i think your style probably suited that cold as well because you do run your laps around the 50 maybe 52 minute mark you don't spend too long cooling down between laps yeah yep yeah that's right so yeah you only have that sort of eight eight or nine minutes of sitting around and <clears throat> i just made sure yeah, every time i came in jacket would go straight on um and then yeah 
when I got to the starting corral, I'd be cold for a little bit, but then once I started moving, I'd warm up really quickly. So um, you obviously didn't – well, did you set a target for this, for the set champs, or you just, like, put no target on it, just see what you can do? No, it's probably one, you know, I guess you learn uh, the mental side of these races is so important. That's something I learned at that race is going into it, I, I was having a few issues with some plantar fasciitis in my feet. Um, not not terrible, but I was, I was, you know, coming off uh, having knee issues at, at birdies and then having some feet issues in the lead into sat champs. I was just really nervous about going out too early and, and you know, starting to get an injury and, and um, not being able to put up um, a good score. So I was, my first thought was just don't be the first one to drop. So that was kind of like, that was my goal. And as, as I was going, I wasn't the first one to drop. I was, I was still hanging in there. So I was like, that was good. And then one of the other runners, so Ben Nichols is sort of, um, he's a similarish build to me. So he's not like a wiry runner. He's, he, you know, he's a, he's a strong looking guy. And, and so running around with him, I was kind of like, well, I want to beat him, right? Like, so there's all these other guys that are elite looking runners and they, they're fast and, you know, they just look beautiful running form. And I'm kind of in my head, I was like, well, I can't, I don't compete with those guys, but I'll compete with this guy because he looks like me. Yeah. And, and, you know, Ben, I think he came fourth. So he was, he stuck it out for a long time. And I was just in there going, you know, got to beat this guy, got to beat this guy. So just, it, it almost helped in the sense that I didn't have a target. So I hadn't gone, I want to do 48, I want to do 50, I want to, whatever it was just i'd gone in there and i was like right i've just to beat this guy I just if he's out i gotta go out so i just had to keep going keep going and then by the time he dropped i was sort of I'd, i was in that just that rinse and repeat like come in do what i needed to do go back out do it again um and it was just consistently same same sort of pace although i did start to get slower in my running in in the back end so it meant i'd you know, early on, I just had a like a three-minute running, two-minute walking. That was just my that was my pace. Uh, I'd obviously walk the big hill at the, the start, and then I'd probably run through my first walking break, and then I'd just do this three-two-three-two-three-two. Except for there'd be a few little downhill sections where I'd make sure I run. Um, and unfortunately, that kind of meant that I ran by myself almost the whole race because I just couldn't line up. I couldn't or didn't line up with other people that were either on a different rotation or they're a bit faster than me and I wasn't willing to speed up. I knew that I just wanted to run my pace. Um, so yeah, I, I really ran bar a couple of laps and or maybe a few half laps. I ran those 73 by myself. Mm. Um, and in a, in a way that helped because I just I just had my pace that I wanted to do and my, my um, routine was the same each lap. Um, so... Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't have a goal. Um, I didn't have a goal pace. And by the time I got to probably lap 71, I think, or 70, 71, I, I came back in. I said to my wife, I just said, look, I'm, I think I'm done. And she's like, you know, what are you talking about? You're, you're fine. Like, you're, you look strong. You're, nothing's changed. Your times haven't changed. And um, I, I'd made the mistake. I had a couple of beers in the fridge of our camper and there was this fire drum that was going and I had in my head, I was like, all I want to do is sit on a chair next to that fire and have a beer. <laughs> I don't want to go out again. I'm bored of this course. Like, yeah. I, I, I just don't want to do it. And so she said, no, look, get, get, go back out again and then talk to me when you come back. So do another lap and talk to me when you come back. And so I came back and I think it was 
I think that was lap 72 I'd done. So I got back and and I said, look, I'm still I'm still keen. I, I think I want to stop. I'm not going to beat Phil. I'm not going to beat Ryan. So like, why keep going? I'm just you know I've done way better than I expected. I just want to stop. And he said, oh look, 72 is like a milestone. People will stop after 72. Like you know, whether it was going to be Phil or Ryan or it's people in the other countries um, that we're racing against. So she said, you can't stop after a milestone. You have to do another lap. I said, all right, I'll go out. I'll do another lap. So I went out and I did another lap. And I came back in and she's like, what do you want to take out with you on the next lap? Do you want, you know, do you want this? Do you want that? And I said, oh, look, don't, I'm not going out. And so she she didn't say anything. And then when I got up, when it was time to go out again, she, she handed me a water bottle and said, here you go, take this. And I was like, no, nah, I don't I don't need any of that. Yeah. And so I ran about 50 metres out on the on the course and I told Ryan and Phil, like, look, guys, I'm, I'm done. So I gave him a hug and um, then walked back, into, um, walked back into the camp. So unfortunately... Fortunately, unfortunately, I guess, because I didn't set a goal, I didn't have this number or, or thing I was trying to reach, which I think got me as far as I did, which sounds a bit odd, but then it got me to that point where I I didn't push push through that and go, well, look, physically, I'm still good. You know, I was still doing 50, 52-minute laps. There's no change there. Um, so I could have at least done one more. Who knows what would have happened after that lap, but I just mentally... I hadn't mentally prepared myself to run that far. Um, and so when I'd gone so far, you use anything to justify to yourself why you want to stop. Um, and I wasn't injured, so I couldn't use that. And it was just, look, I've, you know, I've surpassed my expectations. I don't think I can win, so why go any further? And um, pulled the pin. And and probably, probably took me a couple of weeks, probably about three or four weeks um, to really, for it to really sink in to go, you're an idiot. You know, why... Why did you stop? Like you, it, you know, you weren't injured, you weren't struggling. Like you know, I was in. Don't get me wrong. Like I was tired, yeah. but um, I wasn't running through an injury, so I wasn't battling like acute pain. Um, I wasn't delirious with lack of sleep. I just decided I was done. So yeah, it took me about a month. Like I was justifying to myself for the couple of weeks afterwards. I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm happy with my decision. It's fine. It's fine. And Come about three or four weeks later, I was like, nah, nah, you should have, you shouldn't have stopped. Right. Um, I mean, you found yourself in a totally new realm in that race and you were running with just um, Phil and Ryan for 17 hours, I think, was, and they were like the one and two seeds. So was there a part of you that was also like excited, like running with those two and just, just going so deep? Um. I've got a funny personality of like I do uh, you do occasional things at work with where they do like psychological testing on not testing on you sounds odd but you do um, you know do surveys and they, they say oh, this is your style and this is how you think and operate and one of my I guess flaws I guess is when I look back on things I only see the negatives mm-hmm. so I, like what they say you know is I'm not good at celebrating success so once I, I hit a milestone or I succeed at something I kind of look back and go, well, I could have done that better. I could have done that better. Now what's next? I don't spend time, enough time celebrating, look, you know, what you've done is really great, whether it's work or running or whatever. So even even a lot of that running with with Phil and Ryan, like, you know, once once Ben um, had dropped, which was, you know, at the time that was my sort of goal was, you know, keep going, you know, I've got to beat Ben. Um, he dropped and, and for, you know, a minute or two there, I was like, yeah, cool, right, I'm still going. And then it was just move on all right just keep 
what's what's the next thing and and i guess my problem there after after he dropped was i didn't set it there wasn't another goal that i'd set myself or another milestone it was just just keep going just keep going you know you got this far you you, you still feel okay so just keep churning it over lap after lap and look to be honest with you i can't even remember like i couldn't pick out a lot of events during probably a whole day there a whole 24 hour period where it was just come in get some my crew you know my wife was just it got to the point where I wasn't really asking for things anymore. She was, I would come in and she would just say, here, have this, have that, take this out with you next, next lap. Um, and so I didn't have to think about any of that. So it was really just a, just a rinse and repeat, almost, almost mindless in a sense where it was just keep turning the legs over, not thinking about it too much, not. So, yeah, I wasn't really sitting there, you know, in the sense of basking like, Hey, you know, you're, you're up with the top, the top two guys that everyone said these guys would get there and you know you went on anyone's radar to be here um but you are yeah. i probably spent five minutes thinking about that and then it was just okay we'll move on what's next it's um from what i've seen i mean there's it's very rare for runners to go in the 70s in a backyard ultra anyway but when they do it's usually just with one other person it's very uncommon for there to be three people in the 70s um but one thing I, I remember is like Ryan was like kind of like deli almost delirious from lack of sleep from what I hear and Phil was struggling with one of his legs. Did you notice any of that stuff? Um, not with Phil, no. Um, like I heard a, a few things afterwards and, again, that's when I started really kicking myself going like, you know, because in my head I was just like he will just keep churning out lap after lap so there's no point right but yeah. with ryan i knew he I, I knew he was struggling with sleep there was probably one or two laps before i dropped um because there was the big hill at the start of the course we were walking up that together and he turned and, and said something to me like a whole sentence and i had no idea what he said he sounded mm -hmm. like he was just He'd been on a three-day bender, was just smashed out of his brain, like slurring his words, and I was like, "Wow, this guy, uh, this guy's really struggling here." Right. Um, but and, and you know, one of the laps, I think he came in, he didn't even go to his ten; he just curled up in the fetal position on a bale of hay in the corral, and that was it. So, yeah. I guess I saw those things, but I was at the point myself where you don't like I didn't process them. It wasn't like they were a data point that you go, "Hang on, this guy's." this guy's struggling so you've only got to hold it like he's going to break you've got to hold on two three four more laps and and they'll drop out so again looking back on it i should have seen that at least with ryan and his sleep um that was really i could see that was affecting him but it, i just didn't at that point i was so sleep deprived i just couldn't join those dots to go you know this is an opportunity to, to hang on here was there a point in that race where it stops being easy like around the 48 hour mark or anything like that um it was it, it's a bit odd so i reckon probably the first 20 laps were the hardest which oh. would sound odd right um so the first 20 laps it was probably my body you know things would get sore and pain would come and pain would go and legs would be stiff and and they might be tired and then probably so I really wasn't enjoying up till about lap 20. And then I think one of those laps, I can't remember exactly which one on the, on the lap, on the half of the lap back, I ran all of that with, um, with Margie and had a really good chat with her. Um, and that was probably the first, 
like good chat I'd had to someone on any of those laps and it just took my mind off running completely and it and I just it just felt like I glided that whole back half of that lap and it was just it was really just felt super easy I felt super light my legs felt good just because I was I was having a really good conversation and I wasn't thinking about anything else um and then even even though after that lap I went out and I was by myself again it was almost like my body had gone right we you're obviously not listening to our pain signals, so we'll stop um, and you can just carry on. And so it'll sound odd, but I, physically I felt pretty consistent from that point all the way through to the end. Like I don't remember, I don't remember big dark patches where I was really in a lot of pain or, you know, fight. I definitely wasn't, I didn't have to run through any acute injury pain during that race. Like, don't get me wrong, I was tired and my legs were fatigued and, got to the point where I was slow at running. So I had to run further in each go to make sure I got my laps done in time. And, you know, then I'd really struggle because my legs were just after those longer running stretches, I got to the point where, you know, I, I had to stop and walk. I couldn't, I couldn't just keep running. So I, I was struggling in that sense, but um, no, my, it was like, I, I doubt I'll ever have a race like it again. It was just kind of like everything worked, you know, it, all the boxes were ticked and my body just felt like, I say it felt okay. Like it was tired um, and, and sore, but it was, it was definitely manageable to a point where it wasn't consuming my thoughts on every lap. Mm. The um, being that you live in Kalgoorlie, like pretty far, I think it's, I don't know how far away it is from Perth. I think maybe at least a couple of hours drive. Yeah, but... six hours. Oh god. So, um, do you did you know the uh, the other Perth runners very well before the Sat Champs? Um, I knew I knew Jess pretty well just because we did um quite a bit of running together at Birdies. Um, so not so much at Hurdies, but then at Birdies, I did I did a lot of laps with with Jess and with Carl Douglas. Um, we were just sort of in a group together running about the same pace. Um, I'd, I'd met Aaron a little bit, but he was sort of uh, usually ahead of me at, at birdies um, and, and you know, met Chris a little bit as well. So I, I'd, I'd known those guys, just, but only from those races, so not um, not having run with them any, anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and leading into the set champs as well, I know everyone approaches it differently. I know... I know Ryan Crawford was very fired up and, like, he sent messages to the group saying, like, this is war and stuff like that. Like, did you get fired up as well? Like, like, did you have that kind of emotion going into the Sat Champs too? Um, I'm, I'm much more of a, like, I have quite a control, I don't know control personality is the right term, right. but I'm, I'm quite uh, level with that sort of stuff. Um yeah. You know, even so, like I've played rugby for, for years and you've got the whole mix of different personalities and different ways people get fired up. And, and some of the guys, you know, they stand in the change room and they like to yell and like, you know, slap everyone on the back and try and rev G everyone up. And I always, I was always quite calm and quiet and I like to just, I would go out and I'd like to think about what, you know, what's my job? You know, what do I have to do this game? What's important to me? You know, what did I not do well last time? What do I need to improve on? How am I going to do that? So it's it's much more, I guess, analytical and um, in my thought process. And and so I was very similar into the Sat Champs. It was all right. You've done birdies. You didn't end how you wanted. You know, your your leg played up. You had issues with your light. 
you, you got slower, you could have, you know, could you have changed a few things? So it was really about, right, let's just make sure none of that, you know, anything that can go wrong, we've got a plan for, whether it's backup lights, backup batteries. Um, I said on the last podcast, I did a lot more mobility to make sure that I didn't have those sort of IT niggles and knee issues. Um, yeah, so no, I'm much more, I was much calmer and just more analytical in like what's important for me, what do I need to do, um, what are all the things I need to tick off so that I'm I'm comfortable when I'm out there that I can I can keep going. Yeah. Um, so Herdies, what was that like? Uh, not great this year, so um, not at least for me. So, yeah, I think about five weeks ago or six weeks ago now probably, I did the Delirious um, West 100-miler. So it was part of the, there's the 200-mile race, and then this year they had the 100-mile race as well. Um, I, I loved that race. Like, I had a great time. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but coming out of it, I had a bit of a strain in my calf, the top of my calf, and as a result, it, it meant really in the lead up to in between Delirious and Herdies, I probably ran actual actually ran maybe twenty k's in that four week period, a four to five week period. Um, I went out for a couple of run walks, um, at least in the sort of two to three weeks post Delirious. I I had a few cracks at running and just was no good, so I um, I, I decided just to take it easy, and then. It wasn't until probably the the Monday, so Herdies was on the Friday, and the Monday and Tuesday I put two 5Ks together back-to-back, back, so one on Monday, one on Tuesday. Um, that was probably the most consistent running I'd done. So I went in, again, these backyards are all about your mindset, and I went in, even when I started the race, I didn't know if I was going to be there for two laps or for four days. Um, I was still nervous that my calf would play up and I, I wouldn't be able to keep going. And I just had this thought going through my head. You know, my whole family's travelled from Kalgoorlie. We're all set up. You know, got the whole got the got the whole camp set up here. Got all the gear ready to go. And I just, you know, I was just stressing that I want to do more than a couple of laps and make it worthwhile. But that was kind of all I worried about. And, and it wasn't until maybe six or seven laps in where I realised, like, actually, I think I think my leg's going to be okay. Um, I think that's not what's going to be a, what's going to stop me. But I still had a lot of just niggling pain in my feet and in my legs were, were pretty tired. And I, I think that was just the big gap of no running, that sort of four or five weeks of just not spending any time on my feet. Yeah um really affected me and again because leading into it i was all my thought was just will i be able to run won't i i didn't spend any time really going okay what's going to be important about this race what do i need to make sure i get right um and the big thing for me is always hydration and i'm usually pretty good um but i was only for me i was only drinking half a liter an hour so i had like a one soft flask and i drink that each lap which for some people is heaps um but for me that's really the absolute bare minimum i could be drinking um and because the night wasn't that cool like it wasn't that hot but it definitely didn't cool down at least not for me in um, my standards i was still sweating quite a lot and then leading into the morning when it was heating up I was still only going out with one water bottle each lap. Um, whereas looking back on what I did the year before, it was I, I felt it was hotter and more humid in 2020 
um, two, I was sometimes going out and drinking a litre when I was out on the course and then having another half a litre when I was sitting in, in the tent. So I was drinking a lot more fluid. And I didn't really, it wasn't until about one o'clock in the afternoon on, on Saturday that I, I even went out with a second water bottle um, on the lap. And I think I just got, I got too dehydrated um, to the point where when I really realised what was going on, it's usually too late. Um, and so my last three laps, I think it was like, yeah, so it was probably about one o'clock. I knew um, I knew I was having issues with hydration. So I thought, right, I've got to start drinking more. Um, and then the last three laps, I was really nauseous. Um, I, I stopped and threw up a couple of times. And it, I was got to the point where I, I could only drink like two or 300 mil on a lap. Um, like my body just, it sounds odd. I just, it wouldn't let me drink anymore. Like I was, so I was just having little sips to wet my mouth. I knew I had to drink more, um, but I just, I, I couldn't get it, couldn't get it in. And then um, just on that 20, lap 24 was was hard but i was you know i knew at 24 hour mark got to keep going got to at least get there and i was sort of sitting in the chair and i was just streaming with sweat before i went out i was like really really pale and um we had a friend that was there to come and see us and she's a nurse and um i found this out later so when i ran off she was really stressed because I don't, she hasn't been around ultras and she hasn't been around backyards and she's like, what, what is going on? Like, why is he still going out there? And my wife was pretty pragmatic about it. She said, oh, look, this is either his last lap or he'll be perfect when he comes back and he'll be ready to go for another two days. Yeah. So it'll either switch and he'll be good or, or he'll be done. And um, that lap 25, I just, I went back, I went down to doing sort of like one minute running, one minute walking trying to get round um, and I got, you know, I started to get blurry vision and really sort of unstable on my feet throughout a couple of times again and just, yeah, it was just really in struggle town and I ended up coming in about two or three minutes late for that that lap, so timed out on lap 25. Um, and, and looking back on it, I think because um, every race I, or I, my, my wife writes down each lap, what did I eat? you know, any, any issues, um, any other points so that she can go back and refer. Like if I'm having issues, she looks back, um, which was really good at the sat champs, like, cause she identified something I was eating. I got really nauseous and then I came good and then I got really nauseous again. And she went back and had a look and said, Hey, you've had this a lap before both times when you were nauseous. So let's cut that out. Yeah. And I didn't, and then I was fine for the rest, you know, for another two days after that. So that was really helpful. But in this case at lunchtime, I had a, I had like a wrap, so I had a, like a chicken, avocado, tomato wrap. Um, and I think looking back, a problem there was I was dehydrated and I had a big chunk of food that my body had to digest. Um, and, I, and I think it just didn't have the fluid to be able to digest it. And then that brought on the nausea and that made, then I, it, it made it harder for me to keep drinking water. And then I just went downhill from there. So looking back on, on, Herdies, if I had to do it again, um, it, I would have drunk a lot more fluids earlier on um, and, and made sure I was loaded up um, with fluids. And especially during the heat of the day, I wouldn't have had any solid food. I would have either just kept pure liquid fuel or have things like ice creams or, or those liquidy um, sort of calories that are really easy to digest. 
And I think if I'd made those two changes for Herdies um, this year, I think I could have um, – I, I don't think I would have necessarily been there with Phil and Michael at the end, but I, I think I would have gone a lot further than I did. Mm. Um, it sounds like it might have been um, – I'm no expert, but it sounds like it might have also been um, not enough electrolytes. Do you think that could have been something? Um, I'm pretty good with my electrolytes. So typically – um, I use the Coda um, electrolyte tabs mm. and, again, because I sweat a lot, I'll have one tab every hour. So when I say I'm going out like with one water bottle, that's one water bottle of electrolytes. Mm. Or if I go out with, with fuel, so I usually use the Hammer Nutrition Heed, um, I'll have an electrolyte tab in that as well. So I'll go through uh, electrolyte tab every hour consistently. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like even so, the Sat Champs I did so seventy three hours. Like every single hour, I had an electrolyte tablet. Mm. Uh, and same with Herdy. So every single hour, I went through at least one um, electrolyte tablet. Right. Okay. Cool. I think. Yeah, I, I think it was just it was really just the lack of fluid. And I, I think when I got when I got home after the race, so packed up, got home, uh, probably about six o'clock. Uh, so I think I was out at about five, and maybe six thirty, seven o'clock, had a shower and jumped on the scales, and I dropped. I dropped about seven kilos from when I'd started the race. So, um, yeah, I think that was probably how far dehydrated I'd gone. Yeah, sure. Um, one of the things that surprised me was how far away the um, end of the lap was to the starting corral. It was like one or 200 metres. Is that how it is every year at Herdy's? It is. Um, and I guess it's because it's around a lake, it's really hard to shorten the course. Yeah. Um, and so Sean has said a couple of times there is a bit in the back end where you kind of duck off the the asphalt trail um, track and you run through a trail section. And he said he can probably cut that out and it might make it 50 metres or 100 metres shorter. But, like, that is my favourite bit of the whole course. So, and and he, I think he said a similar thing and that's why he doesn't he doesn't do it. So it's I think it, I think it might be as far as 300 metres. It's between oh. two and 300 metres from the finish line to the start line. And so there is a disadvantage there, I guess. But on the flip side, with having 300 runners there, it actually makes it really fair for all the runners because almost everyone can set up one or two, you know, marquees away from the track. So yeah. you, if you only had a a, a 10-metre or a 20-metre or, or on the line, you know, the finish was the start line, you'd have some people that were maybe 100 metres or 100 metres off that track that had to go out to their gear and then come back. And so they were doing 200 metres more, but then someone that had a, a spot right on the course was only doing 10 metres more because they were so much closer. So, yes, it did make it, it does make it slightly harder that you're doing more distance, but on the flip side, it makes it fair that everyone in that race and having 300 people is a lot, mm. you know, almost everyone is on an even playing field. Some people will get straight to their tent at the end of the lap and have a longer walk to get to the corral and other people will have a longer walk to get to their tent, but then they'll be right at the corral. So yeah. I think in that sense, it actually makes it pretty fair when you're running with 300 people. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, how have you pulled up now? Uh, not too bad. So um, I went for a couple of walks. Uh, I did have a little bit of a knee niggle during um, Herdy, so a bit of a pain on the inside of my knee, um, which is still hanging around. But, um, yeah, so I went for a couple of walks and then this morning, I think, was probably my first um, 
run where I, I did about seven Ks, I think, running. And then my knee and my, my calf sort of started not to get sore, but I noticed them at about that point. So I just walked home the last K or so. So, yeah, pulled up reasonably well. Um, I didn't have the sleep deprivation that I had last time. So that only took me a day or so to recover from that. And, um, yeah, I think probably give it another week and I'll be be reasonably back to normal. Yeah, cool. Um, this this race at Hurdies, it was a really good example of how hard back up, how hard it is to post, like, amazing totals, like, in the 70s and stuff. And you need to get everything absolutely perfect for that to happen, I think. And do you agree? Like, I mean, it was just amazing. Oh, absolutely. Like, because you looked at the, the field that was out there and there was a few people, you know, you had Jess, you had Carl, you had Aaron, um, mm. myself. You know, we've all posted really big numbers, you know, the 40-plus, um, and we all wanted to do really well in that in that race and we were all felt we were really prepared for that race. Um, yet none of us exceeded you know, our, our best, you know, and, and usually you think, okay, you've done, the more of these you do, the better you get. Um, mm. But it was a really great example, I think, um, that even on the exact same course, like I think last year, I think Jess got maybe 41, something like that last year, in, in conditions that I felt were actually harder in the humidity um, compared to this year where it was sort of 26, I think she got. So, yeah, it was really interesting to see that, yeah, no matter how well you think you've got it dialed in and you've done this before and you've got experience and you know what you want to do each lap and you've got your pacing strategy, you know what you need to eat, you, you tick all these boxes, you go out there and it's it, there's no easy there's no easy yards. You know, yeah. you can't just bank, oh, bank the first day, you know, 24 hours and then it'll start from there. It was even running with some of those guys in, you know, lap 8, lap 10, lap 12, talking to them, it's like, you know, this feels really hard, you know, like I'm feeling my feet hurt, my legs hurt, and I'm 12 yards in. So it was a really, for me, it was a really good wake-up call after Satchamp because I probably went in, not probably, I did go into Hurdies a bit um, cocky, I guess, you know, like, oh, I've done 73. So even saying to my wife, like, yep, at least the first 24 hours, like if you need to rest during the day, that'll be fine. Like I'll, first 24, I'll be right you know, just managing myself if I need to for a bit. Um, and, you know, definitely didn't pay it the respect that it needs. And it really, it really humbled me to come back and go, hang on, you can't, you can't take this for granted, right? You have to treat every one of these, no matter how many yards you've done in the past, that's irrelevant. Like you need to treat from, from yard one to whenever you finish with the respect it deserves and, and be prepared for it because it's hard from the start. Like um, it's not, not something you can take for granted. Yeah, sure. Um, it also just shows me how amazing Phil Gore is as well, that he can just keep just keep on coming out and winning these things every single time. Yeah, and I think, again, it's a great example of probably someone that doesn't take anything for granted. Mm. Um, like even when you chat to Phil during the race or in, in his breaks, you know, he, he won't, he, he, you know, he's always happy to have a chat when you're out on the course and, you know, you won't snub anyone off or anything like that. It'll be rude, but you can tell that he just wants to bring it back to being focused. He wants to focus on what he's doing and he wants to just, he knows what he has to get done and he's ticking all those boxes. And I guess a really good example of not taking anything for granted. Um, you know, cause he, he, out of anyone, he should be the first person that can go, look, I'll just, the first 30 hours, like whatever, 
you know yeah. I, I can breeze through that but no it's like this is what has to happen on lap one this has to happen on lap two and it's it's a really good example of like you have to be that regimented to be that successful you yeah. it's not by accident it's not by chance it's not pure natural ability because there's lots of great runners out there it's just you have to show it the respect it deserves. You have to be organised. You have to know what you need to do each lap, and you need to do it and have that mindset of, I know, I know, I can get there, but I have to do all these things on the way and make sure they happen. And I know, and by doing that, you're kind of reinforcing to yourself that I know I can get there. I know I can do another lap. Um, so yeah, no, you're dead right. It, it really does. He does stand out above everyone else in his ability to consistently perform it um, that way. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, I mean, people were talking about, they reckon 100 will be broken at Hurdies and stuff like that. But, yeah, but it just shows that that 73 that you got at um, Miram Wern, it, it's, I, it will definitely get you into bigs. I don't, I don't think you need to worry about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not taking it for granted, but I'm, I'm reasonably confident. So I think I'm yeah. sitting at 10th on the at-large list. So about 25 people, I think, have to post... 73 plus or 74 plus for me to miss out so like look i'll book my tickets absolute worst case um i'm going on a holiday to the states um which i'm i'm gonna i plan to do after bigs anyway um spend a week or two over there just to enjoy it but um yeah i'm i'm reasonably confident uh nothing's guaranteed but i'm I'm pretty sure i'll be lining up uh, on the start line and how are you going to prepare for bigs so um i guess a few changes i think is going to be on the mindset side of things so there'll be the obvious physical stuff so i want to make sure i've got the right training plan i build the right base so i'm consistent on that side um i'll likely continue to do i do i do a bit of strength work um not 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 as consistently as i should but uh spend a bit of time in the gym as well um maintain the the mobility stuff i think that's really important for me personally um but i think a lot of it's just going to be on the on the mental side and the mental um preparation and and finding the best ways to approach um approach these laps i've toyed with the idea of of sleep training or or trying to or nap training whatever you want to call it like i i cannot nap in just in my general life um I really struggle, you know, on a, a Sunday afternoon at two o'clock after a big weekend, you know, some people fall asleep on the couch. Like I will, I will try, I'll lie down in my bed. It'll be dark. I'll put earplugs in. I'll lie there for an hour and I'll be awake. And mm-hmm. I, so I, I just give up. So that's probably something that, you know, if I can get all the other things right, um, may see me undone if I can't get that sleep um so i think there's probably something to try and work on there is improve that ability to fall asleep quickly mm-hmm. um whereas at the the at the sat champs i probably got a total of 20 minutes of actually being asleep in the 73 hours i spent plenty of laps lying there with my eyes closed yeah. um which some laps felt as good like i could actually feel the difference from one lap to the next when i got a good eight minutes of just eyes closed doing nothing um but yeah i really struggled there to actually fall asleep so i think that's something that if i could improve on that i think it would likely help me um in the long run at bigs yeah sure tim walsh was telling me um harvey lewis practices sleep at he works in a school he 
goes into a cupboard and sleeps in there like at lunchtime. Yeah, I did hear, I, I heard a podcast uh, that he was on where he, he talked about that. Right. And I, sort of, I sort of toyed with the idea of bringing a yoga mat to work and rolling it out of my office and just closing yeah. the door after lunch every day for 10 minutes. But I thought if um, someone came in and found me asleep, it just wouldn't be the right look, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have any races planned between now and Biggs? I've got nothing booked, um, nothing locked in. I think I will probably do something um, just, you know, just for the excitement and the enjoyment of keeping something on the radar. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, at this point, no, I don't have anything lined up. Do you think any backyard ultras or you're not too sure? I don't think so. I, I have thought about it. Um, so Tim was was uh, talking to me to hopefully get me over for the Masters. Um, but my sort of thought process there is, you know, if I don't need to post a big score to, to secure my spot, um, what do I need to get out of it? So why... You know, if I go over there, do I want to go and just try and push myself and trial those mental strategies and things? But then the other the other thought process I had is, like, I don't know how many times I can do that. Like, I don't know how many times I can really dip into the well and go and really push to that limit. Um, and if if there is a finite number of times I can do it, I don't want to do it before I get to the the world champions. I want to be there you know with all that in the bank and able to able to pull it out when i need to yeah. um so although i think i would you know there's always benefit in every backyard i learned i learned something every race and there's something i come away going i've really got to do that better so um i could even if i went for 24 hours or or something like that at one of these races i think i'd come away learning something but at this stage i don't think so i think i'll just be it'll probably if i do anything it'll probably be a you know a point to point race somewhere just um, to keep myself entertained. But um, other than that, I, my focus is really just on getting the bigs healthy and, and ready to run. Yeah, good stuff. Um, hey, well, thanks heaps for the chat. It's been awesome. Yeah, no worries. I'm happy to happy to have a chat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all the best um, with everything between now and bigs. And um, it's going to come fast. Like, it's going to be awesome to follow, that's for sure. Yeah, well, the, the year's definitely zipping by quickly, so I think it'll be on us before we know about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, by the way, if you don't mind, what, what sort of um, work do you do? Like, what what's your sector? Uh, so I'm a mining engineer. So yeah. I'm the underground manager for a gold mine in Kalgoorlie called Mount Charlotte. Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. So I sit, I sit behind a desk all day, so <laughs> not, not a physical job. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, um, yeah. Look, enjoy the enjoy your weekend, and um, thanks for coming on. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll stay in touch. All right. No worries, Pato. Thanks very much for having me. No worries. See you, Rob. See ya. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.